things, but I've been sharing with you about the power of the uh, circle specifically, which is really about face-to-face relationships, but also the power of the pulpit, which most people understand that one, so I haven't really spent time on that one uh, to, you know, very much. I've kind of mentioned it some. And then last week I shared about the power of the Spirit, and I want to pick up on that. And, uh, you know, uh, this morning, and hopefully I'll wrap these things up, And uh, but, uh, you know, as I was... There was a statement that I made last week and it just, uh, you know, and it just has kind of resonated in me. And, you know, and part of it, too, even as I've been uh, studying and preparing and getting my notes together, I mean, just in the natural, I spent three weeks talking about the importance of face-to-face relationships. And I didn't really think it was right to give the Holy Spirit one week. And, uh, you know, why? Because, I mean, relationships are important. There's no doubt about it. Preaching's important, but equally as important is the power of the Spirit in our life. Not just reserved to this moment, not just to a corporate moment where we have corporate worship, but I mean just in our day-to-day lives. I mean, when we come here, we should be, let me say it this way, we should, when we come to church, we should go from full to overflowing. Like, that's God's best. We shouldn't have to come to church empty saying, help me. Now, we could all say, hey, I've been there. Where it's like, man, my tank is like beyond empty. I done drained that one and my reserve tank. And I'm just riding, just coasting in on fumes here. And we've all been there. But the best is when we have a relationship with God regularly in our personal life. And then we come to church and what God does here becomes the overflow of what he's doing in our life. It's not that we're just dependent upon the church necessarily. Why? Because the church is you. Right? The church is me. It's all of us as individuals that make up the church. And so, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we can become so dependent on, if you, I'll call it this, as the pulpit or somebody to tell you about God or somebody to help you. And, and we all need that. Why? Because we don't know what we don't know. That's just the way it is. And so we need sometimes for people to teach and instruct and to give us wisdom. And then there's times that we need face-to-face I mean, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. I mean, I don't, well, I say this way. There's times that I know I need somebody to talk to. And God has given me people, thankfully, in my life that I have that opportunity. I have, you know, good friends that I've been friends with for a long time. And we've walked through a lot of things. And, but they're godly people. They're not just natural friends. We're not talking about just having a new BFF. In case you don't know what that means, a new best friend. I mean, you can have all the friends in the world and yet still be very unsatisfied. You know, I mean, you can hear preaching till, you know, your mind is just mush. And it may not really produce the desired result. But this is what I do know. You can have too many people and you can't have too much preaching in your life. Because you can become very Pharisee, a Pharisee. You can become very legalistic. But this is one thing I have found that you can't have enough of, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the truth of it is, is that if you have the Holy Spirit, the other things will stay in balance. Amen. You know, so many times I think even when we get to the face-to-face relationships, many times we depend on people so heavily because we're not properly relating to the Holy Spirit. And really is what the Bible says that he's to be. And so, you know, even, uh, you know, the Bible says this. We looked at this last week, but in Acts chapter 2, one of the markers of the last days, if you will, is this, is that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so if you have a problem with the Holy Spirit, you have a real problem, which is God. 
Why? Because he says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Well, I don't want to be opposed to God. You know, for sure. I want to make sure that, well, I've got to be a participant with the spirit of God. God won't just move on you. You have to be open. You have to be receptive to what God is doing. And so, let me ask you a question real quick. It has nothing to do with my message. But it's something that I've just been in my heart. So I was thinking about it last night, actually. So I'm just curious. You know, I make references many times to the last days or end times or whatever you want. But I'm just curious. How many of you would be interested in me teaching about what the Bible says about the last days? I'm just curious. Okay. Because, look, here's the thing. I mean, you know, like I said, this is, we're hitting pause button for a second here. The end times and Jesus' return should not scare us. It's quite the opposite. The Bible says it should fill us with hope. Because why? God has spoke the end from the beginning. And so, well, okay. I'm not going to start preaching on that because I could. But it's been, it's been something that's been in my heart, but it's not, you know, something that I necessarily teach on a lot. So it'll take some... Uh, some study on my part to make sure that I'm not telling you something that's not accurate because I take that seriously and I want to make sure that anything that I communicate is in line with the word of God and uh, so but that gives that answers my question so uh, anyhow if you have your Bibles go ahead and turn over with me to Galatians chapter 3 Galatians chapter 3 we're going to start in verse 2 we're just going to read a couple verses here We are going to read a decent portion of Scripture this morning. So, uh, it'll be up on the screen and we'll go through this together. But So, this morning we're talking about the power of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit working in us. And here, in Galatians chapter 3 verse 2, the Apostle writes and says, Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? So in other words, the Ten Commandments. Did the Holy Spirit come because you received the Ten Commandments? He says, of course not. He says, you received the Spirit because you believed the message that you heard about Christ. And he says in verse 3, How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Other translations say it this way, is that it would say, You know, who's fooled you or tricked you to believe what began in the spirit, you can finish in the flesh. That's the David translation, by the way. That's not an official one. It's not in print. So, Uh, but that's what the Bible is actually. It's what he's asking. It's a question. So, you know, and to kind of help this stick, let me ask you a question. Did we save ourselves? Okay, so if we didn't save ourselves, who saved us? Jesus, right? Everybody agree to that? Yes. Hopefully. Jesus, okay. All right, so let me ask you another question then. So who does the work of salvation in our lives? It's the Holy Spirit. So we didn't save ourselves. Jesus paid the price for us and, and made salvation available to us. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit who works out that salvation in our life. And here Paul is telling uh, the Galatians, he says, look, who has tricked you to believe that what saved you isn't good enough now? Because salvation is a continual process, not just a moment. I mean, you know, and I, and I understand, I mean, it's somewhat just verbiage, if you will. But people say, well, when were you saved? 
Well, I was laying in my bed in 1996. That's when I got saved. But in actual accuracy, the proper response is to say, I've been being saved. Why? Because it's been a process. <laughs> it, didn't, it wasn't just a moment that, oh, I got saved. Now, was my name written in the Lamb's book of life? Yes. But salvation is a process that God is working in all of us. So it's never done and over until I walk through the gates of heaven. My salvation is being implemented into my life. Well, who does all that? Is it me? No. I work in agreement and submission to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we all have to do. And so Paul is, is wanting them to understand that, look, you can't do this in the flesh. Well, if you can't do it in the flesh, how do you do it? Well, he says, if salvation began in the Spirit, then you've got to walk it out in the Spirit. In verse 4, he goes on, he says, have you experienced so much for nothing? Did you get saved for no reason? Is there any purpose to it? He said, surely it was not in vain, was it? Did you just pray a prayer to soothe your conscience, but not actually change? People hate that word. Change. See, we can pray and we can even repent. We can soothe our conscience and just say, God, I'm sorry. I screwed up again. But there has to come a point where we get tired and fed up with being fed up with ourselves. Because there has to be a point where I stop saying, God, I'm sorry for messing up. And I start saying, God, help me to not mess up. <clears throat> now, I can soothe my conscience by just saying, oops, my bad. I'm sorry. But Jesus didn't die so that I could say, my bad. He died so that I could live in victory. So that you could live in victory. You know, and so one of the aspects here, so he says, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Verse 5, he says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message that you've heard about Christ. And so if we're going to really experience all that God wants, desires, has purchased, has died and shed His blood for us, it's going to come through the work of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. I mean, Jesus, the Bible says He is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. A seat of authority. The Holy Spirit, and Jesus even told the disciples, go read it, John 16, or yeah. John chapter 16. He said, look, it's better if I, if, I, if I leave. Why? Because if I leave, I can send the Holy Spirit. He said it was better that he left the planet. Because now the Holy Spirit, because now he's not just with us, he's in us. There's a new power, a new ability. Even the disciples themselves who spent three and a half years walking the earth and listening to the teachings of Jesus and watching all the miracles. Jesus himself said, it will be better because I'm just with you. But if I'll leave, there will be a power or an ability that will come in you. That will do more than what I can ever do just with you. Now, I mean, I know that we kind of build these things up in our mind. And we think, man, if I was one of the disciples, man, I would, I would, I would be like right there. With, I would be Peter, James, and John. I would be one of the three. I would be right there with him. 
And I'm going to make a statement. But the way that you view me is the exact same way you would view Jesus. In that setting. Why? Because, oh, he's just a preacher. He's just a pastor. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not Jesus. I'm not anything. You know, I'm trying to be more like him. I'm not trying to exalt myself. But what I am saying is how you relate to the word of God today is exactly how you would relate to Jesus. And don't think it would be different. I know that's a heavy statement. I get it. But it's true. There were lots of people who saw Jesus' miracles, heard his teaching, and they were just fans. They were from a distance. They were not committed to the cause. And they showed that. I mean, Jesus told 500 people, y'all go to Jerusalem and wait. 380 people found something else to do. And 120 were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit showed up. Now, these are 500 people who were with him after death. And they couldn't wait 40 days for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the statement that I made last week that I want to repeat and I want to share some about it this morning is this. Is that the answer to our problems isn't sinning less. See, if we're not careful, we'll get sin conscious. We become more aware of our shortcomings than we are who we've been created to be in Christ, which is righteous. And sin consciousness will cause you to live dominated by your flesh. And it won't fix it. All it does is it convince you there's nothing I can do about this. This is just who I am. So, you know, and, and look, and there's what is sin? Here's a here's the most simple definition I can give you. Anything that creates separation between you and God. Anything. Anything. Doesn't you know, I mean that's that was the and let me say it this way. That's the response to to sin. Adam and Eve sinned, they did what they knew they weren't supposed to do, and so immediately they distanced themselves from God. God comes walking through the garden like he normally did, and he's like, hey, where y'all at? We're over here in a bush. Why are you in a bush? Well, we're naked. Well, who told you you were naked? The response of sin is always to separate. If I was to sin against my wife, what would it create? It would create space between me and her. What does that look like? Does it create distance between me and her? So sin is anything that distances me from God or, or pushes me away from Him. Now, there, it takes on many forms. But anything, and let me say it another way, is it, it's anything that hinders the work of God in my life, the Spirit's work in my life. You know, and so here we see these things, is that, but I have good news for you, is that the answer is not in just sinning less or trying harder. You ever tried that? I'm going to be better. Make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to be a better person. And I'm going to be nicer and sweeter. And I'm just going to be better. That's the definition of futile. It is just... I'm going to try harder. That's the famous words of a stubborn person, by the way. I say that as a stubborn person. Because I'll just try harder. I can be better. So I'm stubborn. I'm hard-headed. And, but yet, it never produces what I want it to. It's not just being a better person. It's having more of the power of the Spirit in our life. That's the answer to what we need. That's the answer what I need. It's the answer what you need. It's exactly what we were just doing there in worship. Just taking a moment. 
and saying, God, I need, I need to connect with you in this moment. Now turn over with me to Romans chapter 7. I referenced this last week, but I really felt like that I needed to come back to it. And really, uh, I just referenced it last week, but I felt like I needed to give it some attention uh, this morning. And so, here in Romans chapter 7, we're going to read, like I said, a decent portion of Scripture here. And uh, so, uh, I'll read some and then stop and share and then go back and read. And But uh, I just want you to catch this really uh, in the context in which it's written. But here in verse 4, it says, uh, dear bro- My dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. He said, you've died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. So in other words, the Ten Commandments, the, the power of that was broken when we died to Christ. Before Christ, the Ten Commandments actually had power over us. It, it, the Bible says that the law was given for what purpose? To show us that we were sinful people, that we weren't right with God. And yet that power was broken when we died with Christ. Well, when did we die with Christ? The Bible says when we receive salvation. That's, and water baptism is what? It's an outward expression of what's happened on the inside. So when we came alive unto Christ, we were dead to uh, the law. It says, and now you're united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. You can do this. That's good news. This is absolutely 100% something that every one of us can do. Not of ourselves, but we have the ability the potential, if you will, to have a harvest of good deeds for God. Now he says in verse 5, he says, When we were controlled by our old nature. How many of you realize you have an old nature? Aren't you glad it's been crucified? And has to continually be crucified. I no longer identify with that old man. It says, when we were controlled, which we didn't... You know, here's something interesting. That I find interesting is that people say, well, I don't want God to be leading me, guiding me, controlling me if, if I will. I've never, ever heard one person say that I don't want sin controlling me. But yet it does. It absolutely 100% does. It dominates your thoughts, your actions, your motives, every part of your life. Think about your before Jesus days. What motivated you? Sin. Right? Now, I know some of you are holy and perfect and never done anything wrong. But but it did. It dominated our thoughts. It dominated our life. And here it says, when you were controlled by that old nature, it was sinful desires that were at work within us. He said, the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds that would result in death. He says, but now. So... If you're now a follower of Christ, but now we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way of living in the Spirit. I'm not bound to just some rules. God likes this, God doesn't like this. So I don't do this and I do more of this and God will be happy. That's an old system. That's the old covenant. We're not bound to a list of do's and don'ts. What we are bound to do is a life that is lived with the Spirit of God working in us. It's much more personal. 
now than it was in the past. God works with me directly. He can work with you directly. And here it says is that we are um, no longer captives to the uh, powers of sin. We're not trying to follow some list of rules or do's and don'ts. No, it's a new life. And this new way of living is in the Spirit. It's by the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now drop down with me to verse 14. You can come back and read this chapter later, but for the sake of time. Hello. Come to church. We invite you. (laughs) Verse 14. So he picks up and he says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it was spiritual and it was good. Because if you read kind of what Paul is saying, it makes you wonder, like, was the law a bad thing? And he says, absolutely not. The law was a good thing. It showed us that as human beings, we're evil. Like, we, we're not good in and of ourselves. He says, so the trouble was not with the law, for it was spiritual and it was good. He says, the trouble is with me. What an honest statement. How much more of the Spirit's power could we have if we were just that honest with ourselves? The problem is with me. He says, For I am all too human and a slave to sin. He says, I don't really understand myself, or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it, and instead I do what I hate. He says, But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing what is wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Anybody identify with Paul? Man, I know it. I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. I know I wasn't supposed to. You know, like I'll just bring it into something real practical. I knew I wasn't supposed to watch that movie. The Holy Spirit stirred something up in me and I clicked over there on it and I started watching it. And I just, and the Lord said, you don't need to watch this. And now I wonder why I'm dealing with these thoughts after the movie. And those could be. Anything. It's amazing. People can sit down and watch two and three hours of a movie and just totally veg out, but then they complain when I preach for 50 minutes. No one's ever complained to me. But I mean, think about it. And think, and what happens, it's amazing what happens when we sit down like that to watch TV. It's like all common sense. Just, I don't know, we turn it off. And we veg out and look, and we all need rest. I'm not saying we need those times, but do you realize how open you are in those moments? You've let down every guard and whatever they're talking about and whatever they're saying is just flooding into you. You don't even realize the impact. And yet on the backside, we're like, oh man, I wonder why I'm, why I'm feeling so down today. Well, what have you been listening to? What have you been watching? Because I bet the Holy Spirit probably nudged you and said, Hey, you need to change the channel. You don't need to watch this. Why? Because it influences our, our, our thoughts, our emotions. All those kind of, I mean, it, it affects us. And so there are times that we, you know, and look, there's plenty of times where I'm like, I knew better than this. I mean, I've shared this before, but look, this is, and I'll just tell you, this is just a personal conviction thing. This is not gospel. This is a personal conviction. I don't listen to secular music. 
Like at all. Personal conviction. When I got saved, I had a book. A book of CDs. Now this is, you know, give it a little time. A book of CDs. I actually had a couple of them. But I had the one that I liked. And it, you know, anything I wanted to listen to, I had CDs, just, just books of them. When I got saved, I took every one of them and I snapped them. And then I burned them. Well, years went by, and I didn't listen to secular music. And again, it's personal conviction. I'm not telling you secular music is wrong for you. I am telling you it's wrong for me. It is. And I know that in my heart. And here's why. Because I know the influence that it has on me. I mean, because it, it just does. Music's powerful. Think about what Satan did in heaven, and you'll understand the power of music. He was the worship. He was overall worship. He understands that's why he fights worship. Why? Because that was his job, and he got fired, literally. Some of you caught that. Bad preacher joke. <laughs> but there was a, I mean, it was given a number of years. I remember it was not too long. I don't remember how long it was, maybe after me and Dare were youth, first youth pastoring. And, uh, but this had been years since I'd gotten saved. And, uh, but I just had the thought, I was like, man, I just, you know, kids were talking about music and I'm like, I have no idea what songs they're talking about. I, I just have no clue. I just, you know, and I felt like to be a good youth pastor, I need to be relatable. And so I decided, well, I'm going to listen to the radio while I drive a little bit, just so I can kind of have a, so I can be culturally relevant. And, you know, and, and I was just, I'm just going to turn it on every now and then, just a little bit. It didn't, and this is no exaggeration, within two weeks, it's all I listened to. And I realized the influence it was having in my life. Why? Because I had opened the door. Now again, this is personal. But it may apply to you. But for me, and I could tell it was affecting my thoughts, my behavior, my attitude. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit kind of nudged me. Hey. Now, I'm not some crazy person that's going to go in the mall and be like, oh, they're playing secular music. I mean, I'm not like, turn off that devil music. I am in this world still. I just live separate from it. People don't like that word either. Separate. We're to be separate from the world. Different. Anyhow, the end of the story was, I learned a valuable lesson. Because my own, just through that moment, I realized the influence that it had on me. And I realized I can't do that. Now, that's been nearly 15 years ago. I'll see stuff on TV. Not telling you if you watch one of those singing shows on TV that you're going to hell. You can't watch that. But I'm just saying, we perpetually do that. I mean, we watch TV. We don't even pay attention to what's actually being communicated to us, but also to our kids. TV's not bad, but not everything on there is good either. It's not wise. I mean, maybe that's a better way to say it, is that it's not about what's good and bad. What's wise and what's unwise? Is this wise for me to be allowing to input into my life and... What happens is many times the Holy Spirit will say, hmm. it's just like, well, I just had this little feeling. Let me tell you, that little feeling, that's the Holy Spirit. In case you don't know. It's like, well, you know, I, I kind of thought yeah, that was kind of sort of the Holy Spirit. 
trying to instruct us. And yet, here, Paul even says, look, I know what to do and I don't do it. And he's like, he says, but he says, I'm not the problem, it's the sin in me. So many people can't differentiate that. They just think, well, I'm messed up. I got a problem. I've got this. No, there's something in you that doesn't belong in there, but it is there. But God has a remedy for it. Yes. He has a way for us to over, uh, over um, to get some victory in those areas. In verse, um, let's see here. Verse 18. The apostle continues and he says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. So Paul is not saying, look, I'm just filth, I'm just dirty. Again, he recognizes that there's a sinful nature that's trying to work in his life, trying to dominate in his life. And I like the way that the New Living says that. I know that there's nothing good that lives in me. And he says, that is my sinful nature. He's not saying that I am bad to my core. No, I am the righteousness of God. But there is a sin nature that wants to work into war against that spirit nature. That godly nature in me. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He says, but if I do what I don't want to do... I am not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin that uh, living in me that does it. He says, I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Now I think this is interesting. Verse 22, he says, I love God's law with all of my heart. See, sometimes I think people get tripped up in this. They're like, if I just loved God more, I would sin less. I wouldn't do wrong things if I just loved God more. Like, that's the problem. If I just loved God more. If I was just, you know, if I just had this deep connection like I hear people talk about, I would just be better. Well, the Apostle Paul, I mean, giant of the faith, says, I love God with all of my heart, and yet there are things, that evil nature in me, that works, that I can't control. And he says... But I do love, let me say it this way. I love God with all my heart, but there's still this struggle. So please hear this this morning. Just because you have a struggle doesn't mean that you don't love God. Although the enemy would love to convince you of that fact. The enemy would love nothing more than for you to believe that simple fact. If you loved, if you really loved God, if you were really saved, you wouldn't be dealing with these things anymore. That's condemnation. That's the enemy trying to get advantage of you. And yet the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament says, Hey, I, I understand. I identify with you. Because <laughs> I know what to do, but I just can't seem to do it all the time. It says in verse 23, he says, But there is another power within me that is at work or that is at war with my mind. He says, This power makes me a slave to sin. That is still within me. Verse 24 says. Oh what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life. That is dominated by sin and death. He says thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature. I am a slave to sin. So he's got an issue. He says look I'm jacked up. And I don't know what to do. But then he says, of course, God has a plan. It's in Jesus. That I no longer have to be dominated. 
that way. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1. So we're just continuing on here. He says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I like the way that the um, HCSB it says that no condemnation now exists for those who belong to Christ. In other words, you're not guilty before God right now. Just because you struggle doesn't mean that God is necessarily displeased with you. But we should be looking to Him for help in the midst of a struggle. Let me say it this way. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. I mean, it's okay. I reserve the right as the pastor of this church to say, I'm not doing okay. So don't look at me like I'm somebody perfect. I'll be the first to tell you I'm not. But I will tell you this. I will not stay that way. I mean, I have a life. I've got deals, things going on, whatever. But this much I know. I don't quit and I know where to go to get help. And it's not just, let me go whine to a friend. It's let me go do some business with God. And in that moment, I'm going to tap into what? The power of the Spirit in my life that will cause me to overcome what is happening in my life. And the formula is the exact same for you. I'm not against talking to people. Having friends. Going to a counselor. Do all those things. If that's what you need, great. But don't shut out the Holy Spirit in the process. And don't substitute people and things for the Holy Spirit because He's the only one who can do that deep work that's actually going to be required to bring healing and health and stability in our life. It's only Him. He is the Spirit of Christ that what? That brings about all that God wants to do in our life, regardless of our circumstances. I'm not guilty and you're not guilty before God. That's why it says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. He says, and because you belong to Him, because you belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We may still have a sin nature that we have to put to death, as the Bible says. We got stuff, issues that we got to deal with. But you have the ability right now. If you're a believer in Christ, if you have received salvation through there is a power by the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to what? To help you to overcome those things. At every level. I don't care if it's physical. I don't care if it's mental, emotional, spiritual. You have the power to overcome. Amen. I mean, I've shared this many times. The Lord freed me from depression in a moment. Well, I didn't do that. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, it's not that those thoughts have never come back. I'm human and the enemy is going to try to come back. But now I know how to deal with it. Amen. And it's not, well, I'm going to try a little harder. I'm going to think better thoughts. I'm not going to think about those things that get me down. When I start feeling down, I know where to go. Which is not, hey, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I, like, I, you know, I, I use this as an example. 
I have a good friend of mine. Some of y'all have met him. His name's Trey. And I remember one time, it was when I was in Kansas, and I was just frustrated, just, you know, just kind of fed up. And we'd had the same phone call a couple times, you know what I'm saying? Like, where I'm like, hey, how's it going? Well, you know. I call that an Eeyore spirit. The spirit of Eeyore settles, you know. And I, you know, I, 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 I quote this verse a lot, but it's out of Proverbs where it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, you know, because, you know, every now and then we need a good friend. This is one of those good friend moments. This is how you know if somebody's a good friend. I'm in the midst of my complaining. And uh, he, he just said, hey. And I said, yeah. Because I wasn't done with my story yet. He interrupted me. I thought it was kind of rude. And, uh, you know, but he just said, hey, I don't know if you're done, but I'm done listening. <laughs> He's like, you need to get with the Lord. Because you keep saying the same thing. And I don't want to help you with it. That was honestly what he told me. And if you knew Trey, you would understand. That's just the way he is. What was he saying? You need, I can't help you with this, man. I love you. But I can't help you with this. You need to go get along with the Lord. You got to go allow the Holy Spirit to help you in this moment. So we pick up here. It says, because you belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. It says, so God did what the law could not do. He sent His Son in a body like the bodies that we have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. It says, He did this. That the just requirement of the law should be fully satisfied for us. Who no longer follow sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. In verse 5 it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled or led by the Holy Spirit think about these things that please the Spirit. He says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Says for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God, never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Verse nine says, "But you are not controlled by your sinful nature." Let me say this another way: You don't have to be controlled by that sinful nature. You can choose to. See, here's the truth: You choose who you're going to submit to, because it's one of two things. Life is not that hard. We're either going to submit to the flesh. Right? We're either going to give way to it. And here it says that you're not controlled by your sinful nature. Well, you got a choice. i got a choice. I can choose to allow that sin nature, that old man, come back up. If I so chose, I could walk out this door and say, I never want to serve God again. Never crack the door of a church. Never read the Bible. It's a choice. God made us as beings with free choice. So I have the ability to make a decision. So do you. Well, we make that decision every day. All the time. Multiple times a day. He says you're not controlled. Or you don't have to be controlled by your sinful nature. He says you are controlled by, uh, by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. He says, and remember... That those who have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not, or 
It says, remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. In other words, you've got to actually really be saved. Not just a prayer that I prayed one time. Like, Jesus actually has to. Verse 10, it says, And Christ lives in you, so even though your body will die because of sin. Now, I know some people are like, well, I don't deal with sin. Well, if that's true, you would never die. Adam and Eve would have lived forever until the fall. God created them to be immortal. God said, look, if you eat of the apple and dying, you will die. In other words, you're going to have physical death, but it will even more importantly produce spiritual death. They were never intended to die. Well, if we were, you know, because some people would say, well, I don't deal with sin. I'm the righteousness of God and I'm made right with... That's true in a spiritual sense. But as long as you got this flesh body, you still have sin that is waging war against your spirit, man. So you can't be in denial and just say, oh, no, I'm good. You're not paying attention. And that's a dangerous place to be. So he says, he says that Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. So the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give uh, life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Verse 12, I read this verse last week. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation to that old man. None. Zero. Doesn't mean he doesn't try to work. Doesn't mean he doesn't try to raise his head up. Every now and then you got to put your foot on him. Say, nope, not today. Not today. Verse 13 says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. By whose dictates? That old man. It will produce death in your life. Not just physical death, but you'll experience it various degrees in your life. He says, but if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So God gives us a recipe that has one ingredient. The more I read the Bible, the more I realize how simple God made things. He didn't make it complicated. One ingredient. Anybody could bake something with one ingredient. Why? Because there's one ingredient. You can't get too much or too little. It's just one thing. He says, through the power of the Spirit, you can put to death that old man. Through the power of the Spirit. Not in yourself. Not in myself. Not in my own ability. Not in my own willpower. Through the power of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, working in my heart. I mean, I asked you, or kind of gave the question last week, and it's worth repeating, but I can remember when I first got saved, something I heard a lot of was, man, you're different, you're different, you're different. You've really changed. And I asked you last week, and it's, a, it's still just resonating in my own heart as I've thought about it. When was the last time somebody said that about me? I've been saved for 20 years, 20 plus years. When was the last time somebody... Now, I've had that opportunity because I've moved away from home and then I come back and be like, man, you're different. Praise God. I hope so. I hope I'm a lot different. I hope I'm not the same person I was. Because I want to continue to be growing in my understanding of who God is and who He wants me to be and what He wants to do with me. And I want to walk in more freedom than I did last year. 
I don't want to be bound by the flesh. I don't want to be bound by the enemy. I don't want to be a prisoner. I mean, the Bible says, "Whom he who the Son sets free is free indeed to the fullness. Well, we got to be careful and watch over those things to make sure that we're holding on to it. So let me wrap up with this. I'm going to ask you a question, or give you a question, and then we're going to read one last passage before we dismiss. But So we've been talking about the power of the Spirit, and so I really want to make sure that I'm communicating well with you, because we just read a whole lot of Scripture. And you may have identified with that Scripture. And you're like, yeah, I know exactly what it is to know what to do, but I didn't do it. I do it all the time. Yeah. So the question is this, is how do we get... The power of the Spirit working in our lives. I mean, I can preach this all day long, but I mean, how do we apply it? (laughs) How do I actually get more of the Holy Spirit's power, ability, life working in me? It's simple. You got to receive it. He ain't going to force you to do anything. I mean, if the Holy Spirit just came on you and made you do something during worship, your mouth would be, and your hands would be... It's amazing. I've never had my hands raised that I didn't do it. I've never had an angel come in and be like, you need to lift your hands now. It's never happened. I've never just spontaneously begin to sing going, oh my God, what's happening? I have to make a decision. Right? I make a decision to open up my mouth and to sing worship unto God. I make a decision to what? To lift up my hands and worship God. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I have to make a decision to receive from Him. It's a decision. And it could be as simple as this. Sit in your car when you get home. You can leave it running so the AC is running. Turn the music off and just pray. Say, Holy Spirit... I need to receive of who you are right now. Right now. Right in this moment. You may need to pray that before you go to work in the morning. Dear Lord, I don't know what's coming today, but you do. So I'm going to ask you to equip me right now. Because I got some special people in there. (laughs) That you've called me to love on. Dear Lord, I'm going to need some of that power. Now you laugh because you know it's true. Amen. And you may have to just take a moment. And it doesn't mean 30 minutes. Just give God that space. So you have to receive the power of the Spirit. You have to submit to it. Just say, God, I, and really all it is is recognizing, God, I need you. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 couple verses here and we're going to wrap up. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Be wise. Don't live foolishly. Remember the Galatians. Hey, who tricked you? Who fooled you? Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but instead, but understand what the Lord wants You to do. It says, don't be drunk with wine because this will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word there actually, uh, when you study that out, it means to be continually filled. Constantly. 
over and over and over and over and over again. Well, when do I stop being filled with the Spirit? When I get to heaven. When you get to heaven. You'll be in the very presence of God. As long as we're breathing, we need the Holy Spirit. That's why in John 7, 37, 38, 39, it says that uh, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. Flow continually. There's a continual flow going on there. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music uh, to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, as believers in Jesus... We don't deal with life the same way that unbelievers do. Why? Because we have power. We have ability. We have a better source to turn to. We do. We have not just a source, but we have life itself. Go read John chapter 1. It says that Jesus is life. He doesn't just have it. He is life. So we have a better source to turn to. He's the spirit of the living God. He's alive on the inside of each one of us. See what happens and you know exactly what it says here in verse 18. It talks about it. It says, look, don't be drunk with wine. That's going to ruin your life. But instead be filled with the spirit. Let me give you another way to look at that scripture. Don't deal with your problems the way everybody else does. You've got a better solution. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The way the world deals with their problems, whatever. Has it worked for them yet? No, it hasn't. So we don't need to do the things that the world does. We have a difference. We have the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. Jesus said it was the Spirit of Christ in the world today. To what? To help us, to strengthen us, to equip us, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to be a help, to be an advocate, to be the one who would come alongside and to help us. That's all verbiage about who the Holy Spirit Jesus said he was going to be. But we've got to learn how to tap in. And that only comes through practice. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Pray and ask. Just ask the Lord, Lord, help me. I need your strength today. I need your help today. I need your wisdom today. I need your grace today. And then, just be quiet. Just say, Lord, I receive. Holy Spirit, I receive from you right now.